Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. It's the Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there. Craig Hoffman here. And it is time to get ready for the Philadelphia Eagles. This is an exceptionally good football team. The defending NFC East champions, they are th- or defending NFC East and NFC champions. 3-0 and to start the season, Logan. Uh, I-, I feel like they also feel, uh, based off listening to like Jason Kelsey's podcast and some other comments, that they haven't even really clicked yet. Yet, here they are, 3-0, and preparing to host Washington this weekend. Yeah, and I mean, I think... You know, they are a very talented football team. Like, when you go down the roster, they have good football players. Like, offensively, they're very deep. Defensively, I, I think less deep, but I, they have the big names that you kind of think about there. That you're like, oh, my gosh, that guy's there, that guy's there. Um, and quite frankly, they haven't clicked offensively. You know, they, they don't look good. And I think they've been very, very fortunate to win some of the games they've won. And the reason I say that is because they've had tremendous turnover luck in against Minnesota. Minnesota fumbled the ball four times in the red zone or in the strike zone, I would say. So in that plus 35 area. And then um, obviously New England didn't look great, but also a couple turnovers there. And then some of those turnovers are a little bit lucky. I mean, obviously you create your own luck to a certain extent, but I see what Kelsey's talking about. I, I When you watch the film, especially offensively, specifically Jalen Hurts, you're kind of like, man, he just doesn't look like – he looks like Jalen Hurts from two years ago. You know, he's kind of hit a little bit of a regression, I think. And, you know, that's probably correlated to the new offensive coordinator and things like that. But I, this game, to me, feels a lot more like in our bag, like what, what the commanders traditionally have done well um, compared to like the Bills, for example. 
Well, there's nothing traditional about these commanders, though, and so let's get into the matchup. This is not uh, this is not your uh, slightly older brothers, Ron Rivera teams. This is this is Eric Bieniemy's team offensively. Uh, yeah. So when you look at what will be uh, obviously the the most high wire matchup for Washington, it is how their offense can perform against an Eagles defense that is clicking and cooking. They are. <coughs> This defensive line is playing so well uh, on the back end. Like they've got guys making plays. Uh, the interception from Reed Blankenship on Monday night is just yeah. a phenomenal play coming down from a, a cover two safety to cut a crosser. And, you know, just it's a crazy good play. Um, and they're opportunistic and they, they can do that because they're super aggressive. Jalen Carter, like we all knew that this guy was a steal for them at nine that the re right. and, and I'm a little tired of the, how could other teams let Jalen Carter fall to nine to the Eagles? I don't know because he was in a deadly car crash and there was some character issues. Like it's not like they didn't yeah. think he could play, but he goes to Philadelphia. That's the perfect room for him. He's balling. They're balling. Yeah. How does Eric Bieniemy begin to think about attacking them? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the big question. And, and you know, like in the back end, I think they're playing, they're playing. Okay. You know, I think one of the things that really sticks out to me is that defensive line is playing really 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 well like a lot of reallys there they're playing very good football you mentioned Jalen Carter I mean obviously he sticks out because he's a guy who has had some quick wins and seems to be kind of like the heir apparent to the Chris Jones you know Aaron Donalds of the world in terms of his production he's got a great motor he finishes plays like a lot of stuff that I didn't expect from him but he's just like a guy like a football playing Johnny man he's got a good feel he's got good athletic traits and he makes guys look silly. Like, if you watch the New England game, man, like, it was like guys, it was like he was air. And I was like, this guy's a rookie and he's making these guards look like this. Obviously, Minnesota handled it a little bit better. And then again, Tampa Bay, you see him kind of totally, I don't want to say melt, you know, kind of melt that game, but had an excellent game. Uh, Jordan Davis has been playing awesome. Like, he's been playing so well. He might be the most dominant player in their defense. You know, he's kind of that true nose, like on first, second down. I've seen him make some plays that are like literally jaw dropping, like like literally like you don't see nose guards make those types of plays from an athletic movement standpoint and just the physical power that he's playing with. I mean, you see like kind of I think the benefit of playing against uh, a Jason Kelsey every single day in practice and kind of how he's able to cultivate his game. Josh Sweat is one of those like maybe the most underrated pass rusher in the NFL, a guy that just has great feel for rushes, a huge like a plethora of moves. Obviously, Hassan Reddick is a beast. Um, you know, I've been a little bit quiet this this year for the through the first couple of games, but you know, led the league in sacks last year. You got Brandon Graham, who looks like Brandon Graham, not playing as much. Fletcher Cox playing well right now with those other two young guys inside, and um, you know, Nolan Smith, who probably is the most quiet of that group, but again, a very athletic kind of freaky dude. And so, I think anything EB does has to start start and ends with how you handle that group. Because if you look at the back end of the defense, I think they're very similar to Washington's defense. And what I mean by that is like, they went from like this Jonathan Gannon, Gannon like kind of true cover three that mixed in some more aggressive stuff that very rarely pressured. And now it feels like they're almost like in a type of match almost every play, you know, like they're, they want to be in a more, in a tighter coverage structure and they're pretty good at passing stuff off, but there is space right? Like that's one of the things about match, especially like, I think uh, Jack plays, plays his match more like man. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it like if you're watching it, it feels more like man to man coverage. Mm -hmm. If you're watching their match, it feels more zony. And so guys will, 
let guys run free and there's a little bit of space. But the, the, the problem is, is you can't get to some of that second level stuff. Like for example, the Minnesota game, the whole first quarter, Minnesota couldn't do anything. They couldn't do a damn thing. They couldn't throw the ball. They couldn't run the ball. And it wasn't because the secondary was playing lights out. It was because the defensive line was just being so disruptive. So my thought is if you're EB, I look at the Minnesota game, what they did is like they were totally stymied. And then they started running all these keepers and misdirections and kind of getting the defensive line moving laterally, booting the quarterback out, moving the pocket. And I think there's an element of that here, you know, that you got to kind of think about. We can't be in five-step drops, three-step drops from the pocket, in the gun, from empty all the time, you know, and that's kind of been a a trademark of this offense. And we talked about why they probably do that, you know, to help Sam see the matchups, help Sam see the space, like help him kind of identify throws he wants to make. I understand the value there, but I really think in this game specifically, you got to figure out a way to mitigate the effectiveness of that defensive line for Philly, like number one priority, first thing on the list. So it's interesting because all spring and then all camp long, like we saw a lot of that stuff. Like we saw them working on moving the pocket. We saw them, you know, do some of the misdirection-y type of stuff. And it does feel like that's been not very present in the game so far. Like there's definitely been a couple of rollouts, um, you know, but you haven't really gotten, and and I know like heavy play action isn't really in this offense, which also tracks because like a heavy run game, like they don't run a ton of, you know, outside zone, you know, these super wide plays stretch, like they're not running that stuff with any kind of frequency that it would really like, if all of a sudden you're doing that and run and play action off of it, defenses are going to be like, we know what's coming. Like you're not, you're not fooling anybody. Uh, We can see, we can see your face behind the mask. Um, So they're and that way, I think some of their, what they're doing pass run like matches and marries, but it's not very misdirection-y if you will. Like you're not, you're not trying to really use the defense's aggression against them. The way this offense has done that traditionally is with the screen game, which has been very hit or miss through three games. You have the fantastic hits where everyone's raving about it. We did a take five episode on it. Like this is not a criticism of people talking about it uh, because we were amongst the people. It's like, oh, well, they've got it now uh, after the week two game against Denver. And then last week, they don't really run a ton of it. And the the most memorable one is the one to Gibson where he fumbles. So... I think it's, you know, one, can you introduce some stuff that we haven't really seen yet this year um, within the scope of the offense and like rollouts and things like that, sprint, sprint outs, keepers, like that is stuff that is definitely in this offense. And then can you get the screen game going a little bit and use some of the aggression that that they have? And especially, I think if I'm Sean Desai, the Eagles defensive coordinator, and I see how Howell's handling pressure, I'm I'm seeing if I can get home with four, but I'm also going to send some pressures because right. I feel like I can get some sacks and you know force him into turnovers. So how do you use that against the Eagles if you're EB? And is Sam ready to handle that kind of challenge? Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And we and we've talked about this a ton, and I think this is what it's going to take in this instance. Like you mentioned, the misdirection. You know, I everyone everyone always says we need to get to, to sprints, we need to get to rollouts, we need all this stuff. A sprint to me is when you're rolling to the strong side of the formation, like it's like when the quarterback catches a snap and runs right right away. I don't love those for like high volume plays in an offense because yeah. it really like sections the field off in a gnarly way like you only get like about a third of the field to read and if it's not there right away it's basically a dead play which is fine because it's an easy throw you move in the pocket but i think you got to think a little bit more high level so obviously keepers is another one where hard play action um to the offensive right you kind of boot out big roll those tend to be a little bit better because they give you more of the field um and you get a hard play action off of it. And, I, and like you said, they don't do a ton of that. They tend to do it from the off gun, but they do have it in. And I think because of how the Eagles play their defensive ends, which is like either a tight six or a tight nine, you can get the edge on this defense using that technique, right? Toss crack stuff, I think, would probably be very effective against this group because they play in a way where their alignment is going to be kind of tighter to the tackle or tighter to the tight end. So use that stuff to kind of maximize. But also, I think, just the way you call this game is going to be so impactful, right? Like I look at the Minnesota game and the thing that stuck out to me is they were in a little bit of a rut. They found something that got the pocket moving, did something. It doesn't, you know, in that case it was keepers and it got the offense sparked, but then they kept going. They said, oh, we're going to run some play action. We're going to run quick game. We're going to run screens. We're going to run bubbles, jets, all that kind of stuff. And that stuff, it's so important. It's so important to disrupt a pass rush just by giving them different looks. And I think that's one thing that I would like to see in this game. Like, I don't care how you get to it. Like, are we doing, you know, kind of the token fake out of gun and a half roll and we're setting up for a play action? That's fine, but we're moving the pocket. We're giving the offensive line an opportunity to jump set and we're, we're letting them be a little bit more aggressive. We're giving the defensive line a different look. Quick game, let's hit that a little bit. You know, so I don't, there's a lot of ways to get to this stuff, but just presenting a varied offensive perspective down and down out I think is going to be the most critical and that includes running the football and I think that Philly is pretty committed to stopping the run I think they will be pretty committed versus this team especially after what happened last week so you're going to have to be a little bit creative in terms of getting the looks that you want from a personnel and a formation standpoint so can you get that done this week um that's something I would really I think it's going to be so a lot's going to be an EB's plate in terms of calling this game and I, the other thing I just want to bring up real quick is I think while calling the game is super important, I think also understanding that I think this defense is going to be able to go toe-to-toe with this Philly offense, and you can play a conservative offensive game plan. Like I said this on a podcast the other day. I think I was talking to Kime. It's okay. Like there used to be a saying when I first got in the league. It's called punt to win. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Tressway endorses that wholeheartedly. Yeah, but you're basically playing the field position game. You're you're playing the long game. So you have a a 20-yard drive. You punt the football. You get them back up. You're assuming that they're not going to be able to get out of that own end. You're going to be a little bit closer the next time. And you just kind of work that seesaw technique until you're right there. You get the ball on on your 45. It's a short drive for a field goal. Then you're up. So I really believe that you can do that in this game. And hopefully EB understands 
that relationship at a very high level. Yeah, it is something that he's still definitely got to get used to is like, you know, the way you win games in Kansas City is you let Patrick Mahomes cook. The way you win games here is going to be different. And the way you call a game is reflective in that. To go all the way back to the start of your answer, I think it's a great, great point of clarification that like a sprint out or something like that's not high volume stuff, specifically a sprint out is not a high volume, but it is the kind of thing, like you said, to reset the defense a little bit like okay we're willing to sacrifice this play to an extent that we have a third of the field because it prevents the defensive line from just attacking the same spot you know eight yards behind the center or whatever sam's you know dropping between five and ten yards uh depending on the, the depth of his drop so you know by the same token you know there's little half rolls and moving the pocket that you can do with a little bit more volume all those are ways to make it so a pass rusher doesn't get into a rhythm and that's what yeah. we talked about a ton more. So we talk about it with, you know, with the commander's defensive linemen, but pass rushers like a rhythm. And if you're trying to get to the same spot every single time, it's going to be much easier to solve the right. riddle and get into the rhythm than if your first question when the ball is snapped is, where am I even going in the first place? Right. And so I think that's that's super important. The running the ball point, I think, is one we should double click on because it has been such a big point of discussion. Sure. Like we've talked about it, but like let's talk about it looking forward to this game. Um, you know, how how willing are you to accept, you know, hey, Jalen Carter's playing crazy good football, uh, Jordan Davis is playing crazy good football, Fletcher Cox playing really good football, like we're just not going to get a ton of yardage here probably, but like we need to do this anyway, because you know, Jason Campbell uh, came on my show earlier this week and he's like, when you're a young quarterback, a running game is your absolute best friend. And it, if you can get any success running it uh, or even just commit the defense to stopping it, it will open up the passing game for you. It's worth it. Um, you know, is that, do you subscribe to that uh, in this uh, see, game? I, I'd, I'd or, like to talk about that a little yeah. bit because I think it's super important because I think a running, an effective running game is a quarterback's best friend. Yeah. If you're taking, if you're in second and 10, second and 11, second and nine, second and 12, whatever it is, multiple times in a game, that is an obvious passing situation. Like you have now, given the, you've now shifted the advantage to the defense. So I think it's foolish, honestly. To say, hey, we're going to run the ball and for no gain or two gain, like even second and eight is a defensive advantage. Like that's defensive advantage, right? So make sure you're cultivating the correct looks. And so one of the things I would say is, if you're going to be committed to the run, like be committed to it. You know, like let's. What I would, and this is just my personal approach to running the football. We'll get out of this RPO stuff. We're we get hats on hats. We're having receivers crack safeties. We're accounting for that extra man in the box innovatively accounting for that guy. I'm not, I don't want to worry about influencing. I'm going to like, I'm going to pull receivers. We're going to block safeties. I'm allow them to short motion. I'm going to get in different offensive sets, but that's, if you want to do it, you got to bleed blood, sweat and tears, the run game. And there are teams that do it, but you can't half, you can't, you can't be halfway with it. And I think a lot of teams in the NFL now are halfway with it. And that's not a criticism of anybody. It's just, Passing the ball is more effective, more efficient, and it's way easier. People say, what are you talking about? It's way easier. It's so hard to account for fronts now. Line stunts, pressures, extra guys in the box, different defensive personnel. Just getting runs targeted now is very challenging. you got to believe it. you got to own it. you got to want it. And you, it, it, it makes sense to me that teams who are good at running the football, like Atlanta, like they don't mess around. They're very clear in terms of their offensive identity. 
they rep the heck out of that stuff. And so to me, it feels very, very challenging for the coordinator to be like, hey, man, we're just going to jump in and run the ball 30 times this game because like you haven't established that perspective offensively. So, um, yes, I think it's important to run the football. Right. But like we talked about in, in the game review in our last podcast, I also believe that you have to do it in a way that fits you offensively and into good looks. Now, you can cultivate those looks and you got to really work at it because I don't want to be banging my head against a brick wall because Jordan Davis, man, I'm not kidding. Like right now, he's the best nose guard in football. Through three games, he's the best nose guard in football. He is going to cause problems. Fletcher Cox it may be a Hall of Famer. He's in there. He's seen everything. He's done everything. It's not going to be easy sledding. You've got to kind of find good opportunities to get that done. So I think, yes, a good running game is very helpful for the quarterback, but it's got to be effective. And how do you make sure that it's consistently effective would be my thing. And yes, oftentimes you have to be committed to it. Um, but that's my that's the, that's the crux of my concern when I hear people say that. It's not just running to run it. It's got to be an effective solution because if it's not effective, it stresses the quarterback and the offense out more. Yeah, I, I think it's extremely well said. Uh, and I don't disagree with any of it. So my my like continuance of that conversation, yeah. it's not a rebuttal, it's not anything, just to be perfectly clear, is what are what are the people that are saying run the football trying to accomplish? And then how do you accomplish it without running the football like they want you to run the football because it's actually not going to accomplish the goals that, that they are setting out to claim, right? What they're trying yeah. to do is make the quarterback's job easier. What they're trying to do is affect specifically second-level defenders and to an extent third-level defenders so that you can open up shots down the field and you can open up that intermediate passing area where the linebackers have stepped up a little bit. They're trying to stop the run. They're prepared for it. Uh, and you have bigger windows uh, on your high crosses, your digs, your, your deeper curls uh, from your inside receivers, things like that.